Stay connected and never miss a beat with AT&T. Our reliable network covers more roads than any other carrier, ensuring you're always in the loop. Whether it's tournament upsets, buzzer beaters, or social media buzz, stay up to date. Don't let the action pass you by. Check if you're eligible for a free trial of in-car Wi-Fi at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. And keep the madness going. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. The NFL Draft is now officially open. This is draft season. John Schmelk, Tony Pauline, Eric Crocker with you, back with you. Don't forget, draft season is presented by Tommy Hilfiger, a PVH brand and an official partner of the New York Football Giants. Hope everyone out there had a great Thanksgiving as we get into the end of college football's regular season. We had a lot of rivalry games this week, more coming, then we get bowl season. We have invitations being accepted to the Shrine Game, to the Senior Bowl. We'll hit all that over the next few weeks as we inch towards the end of college football season and really into the thick of the draft process here. But let's try to keep everybody up to date of what's going on in college football so we hit the ground running when we get to that point at the end of the NFL regular season in January. Boys, a couple of big games this weekend, and we talked about rivalry weekend, and it begins with Michigan-Ohio State. And it's funny, I was watching the game, and I was trying to keep an eye on some of the prospects as I watched. And I think the funny thing, guys, even though Michigan came out with a win second year in a row, Ohio State fans everywhere not happy – you know, Ohio State really has more of the NFL, I think, caliber prospects you're looking for that'll get drafted higher. Uh, just your guys' general thoughts on on watching that game and and kind of these programs and, and their pipeline to the NFL. Croc, why don't we start with you? Well, I want to start with the quarterback, CJ Stroud, because I think that's probably the, the most polarizing prospect on Ohio State. They definitely have other really good prospects. A guy that's not coming out for a while, and Marvin Harrison Jr. Love <laughs> watching him play and, and, and what that looks like. Paris Johnson, I know we'll get to him as well, and there were some good things on film. But CJ Stroud, and there's been a lot of talk about who's going to be the first quarterback taken. Uh, will it be Bryce Young? Is he kind of penciled in there, or is it in ink where it's just like, uh, uh, Bryce Young, he's going to be the first guy no matter what. Uh, you also hear other names, uh, Stroud, uh, not Stroud, excuse me, uh, Will Levis uh, and whoever else people are talking about. But watching C.J. Stroud, I will say this. On paper, if you look at the numbers, not a great day. As a prospect, though, and some of the things that he was able to do, I came away very impressed, especially after the rewatch. I know he can throw the ball downfield with really good precision, not worried about that at all. It's more the intermediate stuff, and if he gets moved off of his spot, what does that look like with his accuracy and whatnot? And I saw some plays where I'm seeing him not shy away from difficult throws, the layer throws over the middle, trying to lay it over a linebacker, throwing that two ball, right? Because you got the one ball, fastball. You got the three ball, which is kind of that – fade where you put you know a lot of arc on it and then you have the two ball hard with an arc and he larried it right over a defender and what happens 
goes off of his tight end's hands, ends up being an interception. So everybody sees the interception happen, but not the difficult throw that he attempted. And I thought it was pretty precise with the accuracy there. Uh, there were some throws falling away, throwing on the money, corner routes, out routes, uh, feeling the pressure, so subtle, subtle, subtle movements in the pocket. I just thought there were a lot of really good things that I think translates to the next level. Well, first of all, I mean, to answer the question, I'm looking at my board right now. Of the top 10 players in both of, from both of those schools, six are from Ohio State, four are from Michigan. Two of those Michigan guys are the uh, the tight ends, Luke Schumacher and, and Eric All, all who's been injured this year, and Schumacher who's been injured. So, yeah, I, I think when you're looking at it from a pro prospect point of view, the scale tilts heavily towards Ohio State, especially when you consider that I, I have Mazzy Smith and DJ Turner rated much higher <clears throat> than most other people. As far as C.J. Stroud's concerned, I'm going to disagree with Eric here. I agree with what Eric said about the physical skills. That's never been an issue with me as far as C.J. Stroud's concerned. But he really hasn't developed into a passer, really hasn't developed into a, a, a complete quarterback. I think a lot of that falls on the shoulders of the Ohio State coaching staff who have not done a good job with him. <laughs> and they really haven't done a good job this year. If you know, Like you said, John, Ohio State's got better, uh, better pro prospects, better players. But Michigan keeps beating them. Michigan doesn't beat them. Michigan thumps them. And, yeah. and, and I think that this was kind of, we talked about this before. If you go back on the last podcast, I said because of the way they start and the way C.J. Stroud starts, and he can't get the team in the end zone, Michigan was going to win the game. And that's what happened. They had four drives. They came away with two touchdowns and two field goals when they really should have had at least three touchdowns, if not four touchdowns. Let me make, let me, I'm going to give you four quarterbacks. Will Levis, uh, uh, Bryce Young, Hendon Hooker, Will Levis. Uh, no, no, no. Bri uh, let's start again. Bryce Young, Hendon Hooker, the kid from Texas, Ewers, who transferred from Ohio State, and C.J. Stroud. If you need a game-tying drive with a minute and a half left in a game, which of those three quarterbacks are you going to take, and which quarterback are you going to say, nah, I, you know, I, I'm not too sure about him? Because when I look at those four quarterbacks, even though Ewers is a freshman and ripping it up in Texas, C.J. Stroud just consistently doesn't come through in the big spot. Yeah, he makes some great, makes some great catch, makes some great throws. He's done that for the past two years. But the same mistakes I saw Saturday against Michigan were the same mistakes I saw when I personally went out to see him the first game he ever started for Ohio State against Oregon. Doesn't see the field doesn't use all his targets and again a lot of it is cj stroud not developing and in my opinion a lot of it is just poor coaching i mean same thing saturday i saw this Saturday against michigan i saw against oregon he comes to the line of scrimmage uh, uh, behind the center and he's looking at the sidelines and the play clock is going down five, six yep. five four and they don't let him run the offense they don't let him play now maybe they think he's incapable of that or maybe they're just too uh, iron-fisted. I think part of C.J. CJ Stroud's problems is they are not developing him properly. And, you know, I, I think I, I think right now, as far as I'm concerned, and I wrote about this, uh, you know, what, what it was neck and neck between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud at the beginning of the season. I see it as a chasm right now because I see C.J. Yeah, Stroud as a guy do. who probably should go back to school. And if he doesn't go back to school and he's drafted, you may have to sit him for a year. Because if you put him in there, you may ruin him. 
You know, let me say this, and Croc, I, I, I'd like to get your response to Tony there. I'll just add this. And this is going to meant to sound as a slight distract, but it's not meant to be. You know, he to me, he's almost like a paint-by-numbers quarterback, right? He's extremely accurate. He's very accurate. He throws balls in the tight windows, crossers deep, really good thrower of the football. But I feel like everything is so, in a lot of ways, schemed up for him and the way Ohio State runs their offense that I, I – I haven't seen him have to do some of the things that I've seen Bryce Young do where he just seems to do a lot of athletic things, does a lot of stuff off platform. You know, I don't think he's Shroud's the best athlete. He's fine, but, you know, he's not, you know, a super guy that's going to scramble and do stuff like that and run. And again, I think he is your old school traditional pocket passer, but I'm not sure that he can do some of the other stuff to supplement the accuracy right away to be a high-level NFL quarterback. Now, I think he's got the tools. I think that stuff can come. But based on what I've seen at Ohio State so far, I don't think he's there to the same level that I've seen Bryce Young be there in terms of where he is at Alabama. That's where I am, at least. Yeah, I think in the SEC, you get challenged a lot more from the defenses there because they play a lot more man coverage. Yeah. So it's not as uh, scheme-dependent in the sense of, of – from the from the quarterback, right? Like you have to see it and you have to throw it. You have to throw it in anticipation as opposed to just being super spread out against a soft defense, as you see more so in the Big Ten and even like the Big 12, right? Defense is just a little bit softer than what you're seeing Bryce Young uh, have to go against. And you, you talked about kind of the offense and how it is structured. And we got to put some of that on day because some of the same questions that y'all are asking right now, I mean, those are the same things that were going on about uh, Justin Fields. And look and at the sideline, never huddling up, you know, uh, yeah. not setting any protection type things, you know, uh, and him waiting and really not throwing anticipation because of the uh, the two way goes or what they call it, the the um, the the receivers have you know downfield they make a move off of okay the safety's here I'm gonna go here option route yeah they got the option routes but they're like downfield option routes mm-hmm. so you got Justin Fields just sitting. And now he's holding on to the ball too long. Now everybody's saying, oh, man, he holds on to the ball too long, but he's just playing within the scheme of the offense. So I think there is a lot of that going on with Stroud as well, where it's supposed to be spread out and these easy throws, and it kind of handicaps them a little bit from a an evaluation process standpoint. So when I watch him, I just look at, you know, okay, what what is he able to do? You know, what, what things do I like that I'm taking away? Because I know he is not going to be running any resemblance of this offense at the next right. level. See, and, and, and to me, that is a problem in a sense. That's what the NFL scouts do. They look at a player and they say, well, what can he do? And sometimes they overlook the fact that this guy has problems seeing the field, reading defenses, doesn't really spread the ball around, which in my opinion, you know, is a major issue. And again, I go back to the coaching, go back to development. I, if I'm C.J. Stroud I, and Bryce Young enters the draft, I'm looking at maybe transferring to uh, Alabama to get to go, uh, get to get uh, coached by Bill O'Brien. Or if I'm Ohio State and I don't know what the rules are in college football, I'm going to Bill O'Brien and offer him and say, "Here's a here's a, a blank check. You write your number. We need you to come in and, and develop uh, develop C.J. Stroud." The bottom line for me in that game was, you know, C.J. Stroud got outplayed and beaten by what is a sandlot quarterback in J.J. McCarthy. And that's okay on Saturday, but, you know, that's not a good thing on Sunday. You can't get outplayed the way he did, uh, the way J.J. McCarthy did. And, again, I, I agree. I, I think, you know, Stroud is not de- not developed as we thought, and he's making the same mistakes, like I said, as he did, you know, his first game against Oregon. And a lot of it absolutely falls on that coaching staff. 
Okay, we can have the, you know, let's just get the quarterbacks out of the way and we'll get back to Ohio State, Michigan. Can you make the argument here, guys, that at some point during this draft process, or maybe even on draft night, are we going to have some NFL teams or maybe a lot of NFL teams, the majority of NFL teams, you tell me that could have Will Levis ranked ahead C.J. Stroud on their board and or have Anthony Richardson ranked ahead of C.J. Stroud on their boards. Your thoughts, Tony, you're shaking your head. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, Anthony Richardson is C.J. Stroud times 10. I mean, he's he's C.J. Stroud, I think. I, no, but Tony, real quick, I think Richardson's a much better athlete than Strata, so he can rely right. on other things, you know? Right, but but as far as I'm looking at, and I would agree with that, as far he's better in the sense that he's better running the ball, he's more right. of a threat with his legs, but I think Stroud is a better passer, and Stroud yep. is really deficient as a passer, and, and I think, you know, from my point of view, C.J. Stroud is not NFL ready, and Richardson is that times 10, because, you know, Richardson is much more inconsistent he makes he'll make some incredible throws at times. Uh, even some of his incompletes are incredible throws, but he he just he just can't get into a groove. And I've reported a couple of times word is Anthony Richardson is likely to enter the draft. I think it's a big mistake. Will he be rated ahead of CJ Stroud? I I I bet all my I, I say no way, no way at all. And I don't think yeah. Will Levis is gonna be rated ahead of CJ Stroud either because Will Levis has had a, you know, had has had a really tough stretch here where he hasn't played well. And as you said, John, you know, Will Levis looks more like a big athlete that they put at quarterback than a natural quarterback. Right. So I would be shocked if either of those guys are uh, are rated ahead of uh, of CJ Shot. Truth be told, I had Hendon Hooker rated ahead of Will Levis right before Hooker went down with that uh, with that knee injury. Now he's got a decision to make. Croc, what do you think? I, I 100% agree on, on Richardson. He's more of an athlete playing quarterback than a quarterback that's an athlete. And so I, I'm kinda, sorry for interrupting. Richardson's almost like a, almost like a Malik Willis on steroids from last year, right? Like a much bigger guy, you know, really good arm, can run around a lot, but just doesn't know how to play the position yet. Right, and, and I think even Willis was more of a, a pure, like, thrower of the football. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, yeah. Then, you know, so, yeah, definitely on the athletic standpoint so uh, now Malik Willis went third round so are we talking about Richardson being more of a day two type, type guy I, I'd say just with as a thrower I would say that because it is far too inconsistent for for my liking I mean and when you are the quarterback of Florida which you have talent there you have quarterbacks that have come through there and done well even guys like you know Kyle Trask who wasn't the greatest of, of prospects but you know it, Florida was good well, Florida just lost to Vanderbilt, and I, I put a lot of that on the quarterback. You got to we talk about his athletic ability and being able to throw. If you're doing those things, you can't lose to Vandy. No. So um, I'm a little down on Richardson and hope that he returns and maybe just one more year will help him really refine a lot of things that they want him to do as a passer. Yeah, look, if Richardson goes back to school and does refine those things, he could be a top 10 pick with all his tools. So 100% I'm with you. I think he should go back to school as well. All right, back to Michigan, Ohio State. Uh, Croc, why don't you take it? Who was the first guy you're looking at other than Stroud when you're evaluating this game that, that maybe jumped out to you a little bit? Paris Johnson, man, because I want to know where he's at uh, with all the tackles coming out in this class. And it's like, well, who is the guy? And that's the name that comes up the most. And watching him, I could see why. He was really good. I thought he reached the next level extremely well, uh, getting from one block to the next. I thought his anchor was really good when facing a, a, a bull rush. Uh, he did get beat one time by, let me get the name, Mike Morris 
on an inside swim move. So I'm like, okay, you know, and it's cool to see how he handles different things. But just from the footwork, I thought he was good. He didn't look to be like too off balance. I thought he did a good job of staying on blocks. And uh, combo blocks doing really good, move to the next level. And he does this uh, unique thing where he kind of jumps out and attacks guys as opposed to just getting your normal kick step. He short uh, steps. He, uh, yeah. Yeah, so he like Don't works towards it. the guy and then gets his hands on. And I thought he did a really good job of that. That, that consistently. Not saying there weren't any reps where it's like, oh man, maybe lost that one. But I'd say nine out of ten reps, he was he was pretty on. Yeah, if I had one guy, well, there were a couple of guys. I happen like Luke Whipler, the uh, center for uh, Ohio State. In fact, he's my number one rated next level prospects uh, at the position at the center position. I mean, he's smart. He's tough. You look at Ohio State; they've put a lot of real good centers. Uh, into the NFL, I think Whipler's the next one, the next guy. He grades out as a second uh, day pick for me. Uh, fundamentally very sound, blocks with great leverage, stays square, is able to power guys off the ball, or is able to seal them uh, with, with outstanding body positioning. Really a, a real good center. And, and I think you got to look at Cornelius Johnson as well. I mean, he were, he was a guy who was highly rated by scouts coming into the season. They thought he was a, a, a potential day two pick really didn't have the year that people expected as far as production is concerned, really kept Michigan in that game in the first half when it looked like Ohio State was going to blow them out with two really big long receptions. Uh, and, and now, you know, what we saw Saturday from Cornelius Johnson is what scouts had expected all year long. And Cornelius Johnson kind of, allowed Michigan to win that game, right? Ohio State comes out to start that game. They said, we're not letting you guys run the football. We're going to stack the box. You're not going to run it. And Michigan had to loosen them up, Croc, and they went to Cornelius Johnson deep a couple of times, and he's kind of what loosened up the defense. And then Michigan was able to run the ball a little bit more in the second half. Yeah, he did. He won over the top. And I, I was sitting at the uh, blackjack table watching the game <laughs> out in Phoenix, Arizona. And I'm like, wait, I start talking to the dealer. I'm like, this is not supposed to be Michigan's offense. No. <laughs> Aaron and out, throwing the ball downfield, offensive explosion uh, in the first half. And he said, yeah, I, I would have taken the under in this game. So we got into that conversation. But it was good to see them push the ball down the field and do those type of things and see Johnson have uh, that type of success. You know, everybody knows heading into this game, you know, the receiver to watch for over at Michigan is uh, blanking on his name, but number eight. Uh, Ronnie Bell. Yeah, Bill. Right. So Bill's been he's been the guy. He's the pro, he's the one that everybody's looking at. But I thought the other receiver played off him extremely well, making plays, breaking tackles, uh, beating guys out of the slot. I thought he did a really good job having a two-way go and his stem on it before going post, turning the safety around. A lot of good things there. And and you see that uh, ability to be able to win with speed vertically down the field. Tony, you mentioned um, Whipler. What do you think of Michigan center, Olawatimi? He was kind of, you know, the announcers just kept throwing out there during the game, oh, best center in college football. And I'm just curious if, if you guys agree with that take. And then I know Dewan Jones, the other offensive tackle for Ohio State, a lot of the guys like too. Yeah, he's a transfer from Virginia. I've written about him a couple times this year. Uh, you know, we talked about early Anthony Richardson, you know, being a great athlete, but not being a great, uh, a great quarterback. Oluwatimi is a great center who's not a great athlete. And what's going to happen with him throughout the draft process is he's not going to run a fast 40. He's not going to jump high in the vertical jump. But you watch the film, watch it going back to the Virginia days, and he is just an outstanding center. He's got decent size. He was not even graded by scouts coming into the year. Scouts ignored wow. him. And now you're looking at a guy that's probably a late-round pick. 
he's one of those guys, you know, teams like the New England Patriots have a way of grabbing these offensive linemen, these interior offensive linemen in the sixth and seventh round, and then they go on to start, you know, in the NFL for eight. Who's the guy they drafted from Michigan, Tony? Right, the, the big, big fat guy. And I actually liked him. He's uh, 350. He was like a 350-pound guy. Oh, I don't remember his name. I got to look it up now. Um, and he is that sort of guy and they do it well at center. So that's, what's going to happen, uh, with the uh, Michigan center. He's probably going to be a sixth, seventh round pick. You know, he's going to not have real good testing numbers at the combine or his pro day, but he, you know, some team is going to find a way to fit him in. He gets the most from his ability. He's smart. He's fundamentally sound. And he it's, you know, forget about just Saturday against Ohio state. He's played like that all year long. Uh, he is that good. Great football player, not a real good athlete. I'm looking up. I, I, I got to get the name. It's killing me. Um, let's see. Oh, Michael Owenu. There we go. There you I go. Knew I, that, yeah. yeah. He hey, was a hey, guy. Hey, I talked hey, to people hey, in Michigan hey, that loved him too coming out, and, and yeah. he got drafted late, but he ended up being a really good player. He was like 340 pounds, but he could move. He was like a dancing bear. You know, that, that term dancing bear. That's what he was like. And it was just the fact that he was too big why he got knocked out, but you knew he could play. Although he is a little bit different in the sense that he's not the biggest guy, he's not the greatest athlete, but boy, can he play football. You got anything of Dewan Jones, Tony, or no? Dewan Jones is, to me, is a lesser version of the kid that came out of uh, Minnesota last year uh, who's playing with the Ravens right now. Oh, the uh, the the big kid. Big That's kid. like 6'8", 370. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I think he's kind of a, a a step below that. I think he's a middle round pick. I mean, he's a big, massive guy. He's strictly a right tackle. He doesn't have the athleticism the kid from Minnesota had last year. Uh, I, I think uh, you know if you if you're running a power gap type of offense, he's a guy that you look at in the fourth, maybe the third round, and you stick him at right tackle. Yeah, my my notes on him is big body doesn't move as well as Johnson. All right, so th- th- that was what initially jumped out. That's my first note that I wrote down about him while watching him against uh, Michigan. Absolutely, and I'm see, I, I you go year to year, and then you forget the names of some of these uh, guys that come out in the draft. He must be oh Daniel Falele. There we go. Yeah, Falele. Yeah, I-, I loved watching him in Mobile. Man, he was fun. Absolutely, and he was very athletic. But you know, yeah. people people think that these big, huge guys that are athletic and go early, you know, you look at the league, yeah, you want a big offensive line, but they want guys that are super mobile, you know, super yeah. quick. Uh, and Dewan Jones really doesn't fit that mold. All right, let, let, let's go to some of the skill guys here, because I'm curious to get your take, and then we'll hit a couple of defensive guys. Um, we haven't seen Jackson Smith and Jigbo all year. Where is he, Tony, Eric? Like, is he still going to come out? I mean, he's put nothing on tape this year, really, hardly at all. You know, people thought he'd be the number one prospect. It hasn't turned out to be a wide receiver class, so maybe he would still be a top two, three guy off the board. Maybe the top guy. I don't know. You guys tell me. Where is he? Do you think he's still going to come out? And, and Croc, we'll start with you. Like, how do you even evaluate where he is given his lack of playing time? I thought this was a very, very big year for him. A lot of people were mocking him in the top 10 yeah. heading into this year, right? So between him and the kid out of LSU, it was like uh, Butte. No matter what they do this year, they're going top 10. And I'm going to call out one of my guys, Quincy Avery. Right? And we're going to hold Quincy Avery to this uh, quarterback trainer. But he said, oh, man, he didn't have to step on the field. He's going to be a top 10 pick regardless. I'm not certain about that because I still have questions about 
the overall athleticism. I know how good of a college receiver he can be. You watch where he worked out of more of the slot. So you have these favorable matchups. You're playing out in space against linebackers and safeties. And I thought he did some really good things with run after catch. I had some questions about just the legit field speed, like the, the ability to truly uh, run away from guys. You watch Olave. You watch Garrett Wilson. And I know what they said. It sounds like the little brother thing, right? When the, when the big brother says, oh, yeah, but watch my little brother. He's he's better than all of us, right? And I think there might have been a little uh, just – they're just talking to that because I don't see the same level of pure separation, uh, vertical speed as I did with some of those guys. And I think there are questions right now is, you know, we were talking about him being a potential top 10 pick. He's not the best receiver prospect on his team right now. Even if he played this year, I still think Marvin Harrison Jr., who can't come out this year, and uh, Abu, Abu, uh, uh, Abuka, yeah, there might be people that like those guys even more. So I wish I could have seen him this year just to see, like, man, has he taken that next step from an athleticism standpoint? And did he just need Olave and Garrett Wilson? Those were going to be questions. Obviously, in the bowl game last year, did not need them, and he went absolutely bonkers. But I want to see him do that again. And obviously, just so the fans understand, Marvin Harrison Jr. not draft eligible this year. And I can't tell with these college websites. Is Abuka draft eligible this year, Tony? Or does he not have or, or does he need one more year before he can go into the yeah, draft? Yeah, I, I think he's only two years removed from okay. school. So he, he's not draft eligible. Getting back to Smith. Yep. And the, I like him a lot. <laughs> I mean, he was I had him rated higher than C.J. Stroud coming into the season. I think he does a lot of things very well. Does he come out? You missed the almost the entire season due to I believe it was a hamstring issue. Hamstring, right? Yeah. Right. You got to be nuts if you come out because you know if it was a knee issue, if it was a joint issue, that's one thing. But persistent hamstring issues that is that is a major red flag. I think I think C.J. Stroud is best served to go back for a year. I think Smith and Jimmy has to go back for another year and. Basically, Ohio State will probably be playing with the same offense, except for a couple of offensive linemen, because I expect Paris Johnson, even Whipler, to uh, enter the draft. Uh, so you could basically have the same skill players there with the quarterback for Ohio State. I think it would be insanity for Smith and Jibba to uh, enter the draft. You got to remember, one thing that now plays into this whole decision making is the NIL process, because a lot of these players, you know, granted, we saw the uh, Penn State offensive tackle say he's going back for another year. And he basically, at talking to people, pushed aside $30 million of guaranteed money for whatever he's going to get in the NIL. But some of these guys, if they're on the fence as to whether or not they're going to uh, come back and they're able to get an attractive NIL offer from, from the school or from somebody else, uh, that makes it more enticing for them to uh, go back to school. I think that's what Ohio State's probably going to try and do with Smith, Smith and Juba as well as C.J. Stroud. All right, what do you guys think of the two Michigan running backs? Uh, Donovan Edwards obviously had a couple really huge runs in the second half. He screams like 15 touches a game in the NFL to me, catches the ball, speed guy. Quorum obviously is, is, is more the workhorse for Michigan. Your guys' thoughts on those two guys. Tony, why don't we start with you? Quorum is Quorum's also going to be a 15 touch guy in the NFL. I mean, he's only five seven. He's under 200 pounds. I don't think he's that he's that big of a guy. Uh, so I don't know how he's going to carry the ball 25 times in the NFL. I mean, they, they play well. It, it works well there because the quarterback can do so many different things. Even during that game, you saw the uh, the jump pass at, at one point. So it works very well. I think both of those guys 
or more day three type of situational third down type backs uh, for the NFL. The thing I like about Quorum is really just his ability. They, they can, you know, they're giving him 30 plus touches in a game and not worried about it at all. Now, eventually we did see him get tackled awkwardly, hurt his knee. I think that limited, you know, any touches in his previous game. But what I've been seeing from him throughout the year, he has really good initial explosiveness. He doesn't have quite that pure long speed. But if he is a guy that you think, you know, hey, we just want to give him, you know, a few touches here and there, maybe he does get just, you know, 13 to 15 touches in a game, I think he can be a consistent four-and-a-half-yard-per-carry type guy. Again, won't spring off those huge runs uh, and be able to outrun these NFL defenses, but I think he plays strong. He has really good contact balance. Uh, I think those are things that will translate in the short game in the NFL. And what do you guys think of Edwards? And and I tried to figure this out, too. Again, it's hard to tell with these college websites. Is Edwards draft eligible? And your guys' thoughts on – and uh, Croc, your thoughts on Edwards. Well, I'm not sure if he's draft eligible. And it is weird because I think a lot of things are thrown off because of COVID. Yeah, I think so, too. They didn't – they didn't uh, – when the COVID happened, they didn't count that year for people. So there are some people where it says they're a sophomore. But they're really a junior. They could be a junior or senior, and you know they redshirted, yeah. and they're this and that. So it has thrown a lot of things off. But he's definitely more of the explosive back. It reminds me a little bit more of like Ronald Jones when he was coming out of USC, kind of that you know that long uh, strider has that nice long speed, able to outrun the Pac-12. We see him able to outrun the Big Ten. Uh, I think from if they they complement each other extremely well, and I think that's the type of dynamic that NFL teams are going to want. That guy that can really hit it one cut and he's gone. Then the other guy that can kind of pound away and grind away and get more of that short yardage. Yeah, he's actually a little bit bigger than uh, than Quorum. But what you got to do is uh, he is actually a true uh, a true sophomore. So like what I do is I I will go to the player's bio at the website for the school. So when you go to see Donovan Edwards, you see that he was actually a true freshman in 2021, never redshirted in 2020. And, and it's funny because some schools will will basically factor in that extra year and make a junior or sophomore, while other schools don't. You just got to do a little bit of, of investigative work. But yeah, he is a- absolutely explosive. I mean, he's a guy who can break off the the uh, the long runs from the line of scrimmage. A little bit bigger than, than Quorum. But, you know, like Marvin Harrison Jr., not draft eligible, so we're going to have to wait a little while on him. Yeah, and he'll get more opportunities if, you know, Coram does come out and he gets more of, more of the load there as well. All right, you guys can – I'll leave the field open either this game specifically or just generally uh, defensive prospects, Ohio State and Michigan. You guys can just throw names at me. What do you think? Croc, Tony, either one of you guys can step up to the plate. I thought Zach Harrison played relatively well. It was the second week in a row that Zach Harrison, uh, the defensive end from Ohio State, who – was kind of quiet for most of the year, really stepped it up. If you watch the game the week before, he basically won that game for Ohio State with two sacks uh, against a real good offensive tackle from Maryland by the name of Jalen Duncan, one which was uh, caused the interception, uh, which put uh, Ohio State ahead. I thought he had a lot of moments. He's an athletic guy. He's a tall guy. He's got to get a little bit stronger because he's got that long, thin frame, but he's explosive. He's tough. I, I think he's really put the pedal to the metal the past couple of weeks, Zach Harrison. I thought he had a lot of good moments against what was a good, what is, I should say, a good offensive line from Michigan. Go ahead, Croc. 
Yeah, Mike Morris. You know, he's a guy that I talked about earlier and I really liked when he beat Paris Johnson inside on the move. I think outside of that, he tried to win a little bit more with speed around the edge as opposed to having a move. And then he would just kind of go to more of a bull rush. So I'm looking for more of a pass rush plan from him. See if we can kind of get that down the line. But overall, you see big body guy. And you do see all the ability, but just still trying to figure it out. Kind of reminds me a little bit um, as far as the figuring out part, not body and, and all that. But uh, Boye Mafe, last year coming out of Minnesota, one of the knocks on him was he doesn't have a pass rush plan. doesn't have a pass rush plan. And when I watched uh, Morris, that was one of the things I, I realized as well. You, you didn't see a whole lot of moves. It was, can I beat him around the edge with speed? And then if I can't, then, okay, I got to come back uh, on in a bull rush. And that was it. There was no counter to it. Yeah, and the thing about Morris, like Mafe, he comes out of a three-point stance and stands over tackle. So you know he's a he's a real good athlete. Yeah. Uh, I know you love watching the corners, Croc. Any thoughts on DJ Turner, the Michigan cornerback? I know a lot of people are high on him. I watched him. There wasn't that much to take away from it because they played kind of soft in that game. There was just a lot of off coverage. I didn't see him really, truly be able to challenge himself. But, you know, there were some nice moves. I did note that uh, he had a play against on the switch release. And so he was in man coverage and Ohio state, they did a switch release on the guys. He was able to fight through that flatten off the route. And then the receiver, Marvin Harrison Jr. He kind of dropped it, but I give the defensive back some credit there because he <laughs> was there to distract him. I think that's an overlooked uh, part of playing cornerback position. Some of it is just distracting the receiver and th throwing off his concentration enough just to get a drop. And I thought he did that on that play. Croc with the defensive back propaganda. We like that. Uh, Tony, what's your uh, Maisie Smith watch at? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I I didn't see him on the field. I know he, I, th I think he finished with like four tackles, uh, but I was looking for him and it seemed like they rotated uh, those guys in and out a lot. Uh, but again, he was going up against Luke Whi uh, Whip Whipler, the uh, mm -hmm. center from uh, Ohio State, who I talked about earlier, who I thought had a real good game. What's his stock watch? Are we looking first round for 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 Maisie Smith, though, or uh, is that one of those guys that that's kind of different depending on the evaluator you talk to? It, it, that, that's what it is. I mean, I've heard scouts tell me, yeah, he's a fourth, fifth rounder. Some people have told me he's a second rounder. I mean, my affection for Matt Mazzy Smith has been talked. We talked about that the first, uh, yeah, the, the first uh, show of the year when we had Bruce Feldman on about how much I like him. So it'll be interesting to see where it eventually pans out for for Smith. And by the way, the player that Tony mentioned previously, the Penn State offensive tackle was Oli Fashanu. We talked about him. It was either last show or the show prior. I don't quite remember. 19 years old. He's had a heck of a year. A lot of people thought he might be the first offensive lineman off the board. It could be a top 10 pick. So him going back is, is really a big deal. All right. Notre Dame, USC, guys. Let's, let's touch on that very quickly. And, Croc, we'll start with you because we're still trying to kind of feel out this wide receiver class, I feel like. And Jordan Addison was one of the guys coming into the year that had a lot of production. And I think that's continued at USC. How do you see him? Is is he in the in line here for being the first wide receiver off the board? Your thoughts on him as a player? We'll, we'll see if he's the first wide receiver. We know he won the Belitnikoff Award a, a year ago, but he's a guy that USC definitely does different things to free him up and get the ball in his hands whether it's screens, uh, they'll do, you know, pick routes, different things to get the ball in his hands in space. I think he does a good job of that. The run up to catch is there. I think, you know, how much pure speed does he have? W would that be a question? You know, I haven't been able to see him just run straight fly routes and run by defensive back. Not saying you need to. I think he does all the other things well. Um, he drops his hips very well, works back to the ball, good natural hands. He did uh, have a fumble. 
got overturned and fumbled. I don't know, but Foskey, and I know we'll get to him, but a great pursuit play by Foskey to chase him down from the back. I mean, he was like 40 yards down the field. So I think he does a lot of really good things. It's going to be interesting to see who factors in what when it pertains to this uh, wide receiver class because guys are so much different and there's not that just surefire wide receiver one in this class, in, in my opinion. Want to see how big Jordan Addison is because he yeah. looks like a smaller guy. He uh, looks like a slot yeah. to me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, and, and that's going to kind of reduce. I mean, I love him as a receiver, but uh, you know, how big is he, and where are you going to use him at the next level? You, you know, with all the receiver screens and everything else, now you know why he transferred to uh, USC. I mean, and, and it's great to see that USC's got its mojo back because you watch that game and they're they're very chatty on the field. You know, they're 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 very confident in themselves, and it's good for college football when USC is doing well uh, and, and is vying for national championships. Um, but I, I like Addison a lot. Again, you know, had some nicks and bruises this year, which put him on the sideline, which again goes back to body type and how big he is. Uh, I still I think he's going to be a first round choice if he enters the draft. I expect him to enter the draft where he goes in the first round, I think, will be dictated what happens throughout the uh, pre-draft process, combines, pro day workouts, things like that. Obviously, and not to connect these guys just because they both went to USC, but there are a few guys, a couple guys that he really remind me of one, Robert Woods, obviously a former USC receiver. Right, Not that just he's not going to blow you away with that athleticism, but he was really good there. And Marquise Lee. And Marquise Lee, before mm. the knee injury, right, before the knee injury happened, I mean, he was like the best receiver in college football. He had a knee injury, kind of slowed him down a little bit. He didn't have the pro career you thought he would have, but a really good productive receiver. Not sure he wins vertically down the field as much as what we saw from Marquise Lee, but you see a lot of talent there. Very fluid mover as well. Yeah, it's funny, Crock. You go back, you mentioned Marquise Lee. I remember in that draft, I went back and watched, I think it was his sophomore tape, right? That was pre-knee yeah. injury for Lee. And I was going back and forth in my rankings with him and Beckham. And I'm like, both these guys can move. Like it was their athleticism was crazy. And then Lee just was never the same after he had that injury, which was too bad. Yeah. All right. Um, Caleb Williams, I know he's a couple years off. Is, yeah. is, is real deal? Are you guys will buy in? I, I mean, he looks like it. He's got, he's got a great <laughs> quarterback coach. He's got a, a quarter a, Quarterback coach there that has you know developed a lot of guys and put USC quarterback by the way for the people that don't know uh, uh you, you know in, in Lincoln Riley so everything seems to be heading in the right direction for him he's definitely uh he's showing progress he's a much better quarterback now than what he was a year ago at Oklahoma when he had the same coach uh so and, and that's what you like to see I mean obviously probably going to be the front runner for the Heisman. Uh, you know, uh, w- once the 2023 mock drafts are over and people are mocking for the 2024, he's going to be the name that's uh, that I think is unanimously uh, the first pick of the draft. I-, I think the signs are good. Let's wait and see what happens moving forward. Yeah, I-, I think it has definitely helped him being able to stay in that offense for another year. I think last year they relied a little bit more on his athleticism, more so than a quarterback. Now I think now we see him taking that next step as a thrower of the football uh, is really fun watching them. And I, I saw it on social media. I'll fall into the trap a little bit as well, just because of what it looks like, but man, Patrick Mahomes at Texas tech, right? Where there's a lot of this off script type stuff, off platform type throws, not sure he has quite the arm of Patrick Mahomes, but he definitely has a really good arm, but you see him try some of the tight window stuff. I would say decision-making that's something that he definitely can improve on. 
as was and still is the case for Patrick Mahomes. As great as Patrick Mahomes is, he does still throw a lot of interceptable balls. I see some of that with Williams and just sometimes just the running around, which again, you see from Patrick Mahomes as well. Again, Patrick Mahomes, MVP, Super Bowl MVP. It worked for him. We'll see if down the line it could work for Caleb Williams as well. But there's a little flair to his game that I think is kind of fun to watch. Any other USC guys that really jumped out to you guys? Obviously, USC with that big wing over Notre Dame on Saturday night. Well, I mean, Tui Tui Peloto. Good job, Tony. Player. Well done. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> uh, who I, I think he was kind of quiet in that game, but he's had a monster year. And I'm told he's yeah. going to enter the draft. You know, where are you going to play him at the next level? It, I, it's going to be an interesting evaluation. I haven't done a lot of film work on him, but I was on the phone with somebody on the West Coast yesterday and they think he's a surefire first rounder. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see. Mekki Becton, the co- the transfer cornerback from uh, Colorado's played well, as has Shane Lee, the uh, linebacker who transferred from Alabama. Shane Lee looked like the next big-time linebacker to come from the Alabama program in 2020, was non-existent, basically disappeared in 2021, took his game to uh, USC. He's not back to the level where I where I saw him in 2020, but he's playing productive football. That's a good sign. So uh, USC's got it going on. They do. do you have Tui, any thoughts on Tui, those guys? Tui, Tui, or, 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 or you could jump to Notre Dame, whatever you want to do. Well, I was going to say Tui, Tua Palutu. I butchered it, right? No, sure. no, no, not bad. But, uh, okay. <laughs> um, he's been really good. We're talking about a guy who's mm-hmm. double digit sacks right now. He's very disruptive, but I, I agree with where is he gonna play at the next level, right? This is a guy who it almost feels like a tweener. Like, is he like a three-four end? Or maybe he can fit in this new NFL style of a defensive end who everybody's not gonna be, you know, Von Miller off of the edge. You might need a guy that it can be a little bit more stout. Uh, and teams are going more towards that too high defense. So you need kind of bigger bodies there. He's kind of this tweener. He's not a 290-pound guy, but he's also not that 250, 260-pound guy that flies off of the edge. So uh, we'll we'll see how that translates. But, yeah, I am hearing as well that people really like him for a first round. Yeah, and when I – when the person told me uh, yesterday they think first round for him, and I was surprised, they said, listen, he can rush the passer – He's a big body guy for a pass rusher. And you look at this year's class and there are not a lot of big body pass rushers, which is what their justification was for him going in the first round. One other guy from USC got to mention Andrew Voorhees, who's played terrific at guard all season, played tackle last year. They kicked him inside. He's actually a big body blocker who looks better in a confined area, played left guard. I think he's had a terrific year, looked really good against Notre Dame as he has all season long. Hey, Giant fans, don't miss the second legacy game at MetLife Stadium on Sunday, December 4th. If you're a Giants fan and you're listening to this, of course, this is a draft podcast for all fans, but the Giants will be in their throwback legacy uniforms from the 80s and 90s when they take on the Washington Commanders, a playoff spot potentially at stake. There'll be the stadium we branded a throwback designs, exclusive collectible pennant for the first 30,000 fans in attendance. Limited tickets are available. Go to Giants.com slash tickets to claim yours today. Michael Mayer here, guys. Still first yeah. tight end off the board, you think? And first rounder tone? I, I mean, he looked tremendous. I mean, you know, you, you go back. I mean, he and this giant fans were watching this for left. He reminds me of a more athletic version of Mark Bavaro. Those he, are big I, words. I, I, I mean, a guy who you watch them Saturday get up, getting up in a crowd of three or four USC defenders coming away with the reception. 
taking a pounding, holding on the ball. I mean, he looks like a big body tight end, a very athletic big body tight end. And I was one who was kind of hesitant. You know, he looked like he really didn't want to block. And, he, you know, he wasn't interested if the play wasn't in, in his vicinity. He's done well this year. And I really thought he stood out against USC. He looked really, really good. Yeah, I've been very impressed with just his uh, ball skills, right? This is a guy who I'll continue to watch. I'm like, man, how's this big guy getting open? How's he getting open? He always gets open. He all, he does a really good job of the way he uses his body to shield uh, himself, he'll shoot, shield the ball away from defenders. Really nice, soft hands, hands catcher type guy. Uh, you know, you talked about the, the blocking and things like that. But man, as a pass catcher, I'm still confused with how he gets open so much. Uh, with how he moves, but he's been tremendous. And uh, I, I definitely would assume that right now he's a lot, most people's tight end one. He has that Jason Witten, like he's not running fast, but he's always open type of vibe, right? Right. But I think he's Witten better. ran kind of fast coming out of t- Tennessee, didn't he? No, he did. He just didn't look like he was running fast, though. He looked, he looked like he was slow, but he just got separation. Well, old Jason Witten, that's, that's kind of what it looks like. And old Jason Witten <laughs> old from Jason the Cowboys was, was good, right? He'd run the spots, turn around, shoot guys away from the ball, catch the ball. Like, you know, he'd do some of those things. So it kind of looks a little bit like old Witten, who was still good. Old Witten was still good. You know, I, I mean, I don't even think it's a question that Michael Mayer is the number one tight end. There's no one close to him. Right? You got Sam LaPorta from Iowa, who's really good. I don't know how fast he's going to run. Kid by the name of Tucker Kraft. From South Dakota State, who's an outstanding uh, tight end. You can watch him as South Dakota State goes through the division, uh, the FCS playoffs. He's my number one rated FCS prospect. But as good as these guys are, they just they just don't measure up to Meyer. And you mentioned uh, Isaiah Foskey before, Croc. Your thoughts? Oh yeah, I mean he's a guy that likes to stand up over the outside. You know, rush from there. You see the body, you see the build, you see the athleticism, all that jumps off. You see the pursuit on the play. I talked about him chasing down Addison from behind and forcing that ball out of there. You know, a lot of good things that I think people are going to really like. I'm, I can't wait to dive more into this film, but I did like what I saw from the game against USC, which was tough because you got a quarterback that's running around, scrambling. He's he's not just standing in the pocket, playing with timing and rhythm. He's not playing how you would expect him to play. That's pretty difficult on a defensive lineman that's trying to just get to the quarterback. My number two rated a Notre Dame prospect after Michael Mayer. I, I mean, a guy who's very athletic, as Croc said, comes out of a three-point stance, stands over tackle, covers a lot of area on the field much more than a guy that just pins his ears back and rushes up the field. He does a lot of good, does a lot of things very well on the football field. I have him as a early second round pick. If he enters the draft, could he go first round? I think possibly with good workouts. All right. We're going to get to a little review of the defensive rookies in the NFL from the 2022 class, but just a general statement for you guys. And I know Tony, you're probably more of the historian on this sort of stuff. You've been doing this for so long. I feel like as we've gone along this season, some of the guys that we thought were surefire top picks maybe haven't done as much as we would have liked. Overall, just the the quality of this class, especially near the top in the first round, how would you say at this point of year it compares to kind of what we've seen in years past? Well, I I mean, I think it's difficult. And I think it's difficult because, you know, in years past, rookies – would sit for half a year, would sit for a year. I, I mean, we're talking, we're, we're with the New York Giants. I mean, Bill Parcells literally used to redshirt his rookies each year for the most part. So I, I think it's difficult. And I think these guys come in with, you know, just crazy expectations. And remember, 
players at the top of the draft were basically offensive linemen, cornerbacks, even defensive linemen, where their errors oftentimes are very glaring and over, you know, will basically gloss over some of the good things that they've done. I don't think it's been exceptionally great, but, you know, it's not like 2013 where it looked like it was going to be a disaster from the onset. So uh, I, I've seen some good things. I've seen some promise, you know, that there have been some, you know, you look at the Ohio State receivers doing very well in the NFL. Overall, I, you know, sometimes you just got to give it time and, and wait and see how these guys do. How about the upcoming 2023 class, guys? Your opinion on that as an overall class heading in at this point of year? Is it just too early in the process to really have a good feel for how strong this overall upcoming class is going to be in 2023? Croc, your thoughts? I think a lot of people were waiting on this quarterback class saying this was the good one. And then some guys fell off, right? Like Will Levis hasn't played to the level that a lot of people thought he would. You have seen some guys starting to get a little bit better as the year goes on. DTR over at UCLA. Uh, you got Spencer Rattler. He's finishing this season strong. Uh, DJ Ugalele, that has not been good at, at all down the stretch here, which I thought middle of the year he started getting a little bit better. I thought he was hitting his groove, finding his mojo, and then all that did was lead to him eventually getting benched and looking uh, not very good against South Carolina, a team that they probably should have beat by two scores. So uh, everyone said that this was the quarterback class, and I think they're going to do the same thing next year when you have – Caleb Williams coming out. When you have uh, Drake May, the kid out of UNC coming out, a lot of people are going to like him and maybe pencil him in as the number one quarterback out of that class. So uh, I think you could see a little bit of that. You know, it, it, and and I think that's wrong because what happens is it happens. Everybody looks at the quarterback class yeah. to determine the strength of a draft. The strength but of it, it, yeah. You know, there's you got 22 positions on the field plus, plus special teams, and it's wrong. I think it's – if we go back, it'd be interesting because I think a year ago when we were talking about this time, I think I probably had only 14 or 15 guys with sure first round, first round grades on my board. I'm looking at my board right now. Right now, I've got 14 guys with surefire first round grades. That will change. And what I mean is, obviously, you're going to have 32 first rounders, but only how many of them right now deserve first round grades? I've got 14. That will obviously change as we go through the process because guys will fall off. A lot of guys will move up, workouts, senior bowl practices, shrine bowl practices, which which, uh, which mean a lot. Uh, I, I compare it pretty much to last year's draft in the sense that you got a lot of good defensive players at the top. You got Will Anderson of uh, Alabama, Brian Brise of uh, Clemson, Miles Murphy of Clemson, who I like, Jalen Carter of, uh, of Georgia, you know, a couple of receivers at the top with, with Jalen Hyatt. Uh, so I, I think it's very comparable to uh, last year's draft. And like last year's draft, I think we're not going to see as many quarterbacks go in the first round as people had predicted literally up until the week before the 2022 draft. All right, guys, if you like the show, go download the Giants TV app. You can find it for free on Amazon TV. Roku, wherever you stream your TV shows, it's free. Make sure you check it out. You also get game highlights, on-demand, direct video, everything you want. Again, check it out on any of those free services or, again, on the Giants mobile app. All right, guys, let's take a brief look. We did offense last week. Let's look at the defensive class here coming out in 2022, the, the rookie class in the NFL right now. And I think, Croc, we got to start Sauce Gardner. I mean, this guy's playing like a seasoned pro. If he gives up a catch, you know, people showing it on YouTube like it's a big deal. This guy's a rookie. And 
guys just aren't, it's almost to the point where teams aren't throwing at him now. He's playing so well. I mean, he could, I, we all thought he was one of the best players coming out last year. I thought it was crazy. Houston ended up picking Stingley over him, right? If I, if I remember correctly, yeah. which I thought was crazy at the time they did. But Sauce Gardner has, has had a hell of a first year in the NFL. Yeah, he, he's been pretty good and exceeding a lot of expectations. I mean, he came in with kind of that swagger and people are like, okay, yeah, this is CB1. You saw what he did at college, but you could say, well, maybe is it the level of competition that he consistently played against that made it to where he didn't give up a touchdown throughout his entire college career and all those things. But it has translated to the NFL. And you're right. Anytime you give up one catch, Everybody wants to show that, right? Because, oh, maybe it was a big play or he was in the area. But overall, he's been playing extremely well with a lot of confidence, as has uh, some other cornerbacks from this class as well. Uh, I think Stingley is the one that's kind of having a little bit slower start. Tariq Woolen, he's one of the top guys in interceptions in the NFL. He was a fifth-round pick out of UTSA. And he was a guy that I thought, and a lot of other people were like, man, he has to hone in on playing the cornerback position. He's this longer, lean guy, but he's the most amazing athlete in this class. And you've seen him be able to put some of that on display. But, you know, still, uh, I'd say overall, at least from the cornerback standpoint, I think they've done a really good job hitting the ground running. Yeah, Tony, if there was ever a spotlight on a player for this is why you scout traits and you don't scout performance, that's Tariq Wollin. You watched him at a low level of college football last year. It looked like he had any idea what he was doing. I knew he was a converted wide receiver. He couldn't play the ball. He's committing defensive pass interference penalties against, like, Guys that are nowhere near his athletic caliber. He goes to Seattle. He gets coached up. He learns how to play the position. Phenomenal rookie year for him. And that's the key. He went to Seattle. And there are franchises that just know how to develop certain positions. Yeah. You know, you think quarterback. You think Andy Reid. You think Shanahan. You know, you think uh, Seattle Seahawks. You think defensive backs. Yeah. They just have a knack for taking those big athletic guys and getting them to play incredibly well at the cornerback position. So I think it's the, it was the perfect fit between franchise and player. I don't know that Tariq Willen is going to be doing as well as he does on any other franchise. Uh, I, I think it was just a perfect match. Getting back to Ahmad Gardner, and I'm going to call him Ahmad Gardner because that's the name his mom gave him. You know, <laughs> Last week when we talked about the offensive players, I said the Jets hit a home run with Brees Hall. I said they hit a grand slam with Garrett Wilson. And Ahmad Gardner, they basically got the pitcher that is capable of pitching a perfect game every time he steps on the mound. I, I mean, the guy has been that brilliant. Had some struggles last week against Chicago, which was a rarity. But the fact is this with, with Ahmad Gardner. He was a better cornerback in 2021 than he was in 2020. And he's a much better cornerback in 2022 than he was in 2021. I was at the Jet game in the rain on Sunday, and they uh, honored Darrell Rivas in the Ring of Honor. And I got to tell you, I've watched a lot of Jets football. Ahmad Gardner right now is playing better than Darrell Rivas did at equal points in their career in their rookie season. That is how outstanding Ahmad Gardner has been in 2022 for the New York Jets. Strong, I saw strong someone word. say that if Antonio Camardi and Darrell Rivas had a baby together, it would be Saz Gardner. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, oh. you got the long, lanky arms, right? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Nice. Hey, you that. know, it's 2022. It could happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's take it to the defensive backfield. Kyle Hamilton, you know, I think the Ravens have done a good job of working him in slowly. He's only played in certain situations for him. I think, Tony, you've been proven correct in some of your criticisms or 
scouting opinions from last year. I think criticism was a little bit strong. I think we've seen him in space against smaller receivers in the slot has not gone so well for him. But I think when they put him in other positions where he's more suited to play, I think he's done a pretty nice job. I mean, he's he's a strong safety type. That's it's what he is. And and teams don't, uh, you know, that that's a position that's kind of doesn't have a big a, much of a priority anymore because you need those. You need that third safety or that that second safety to play over the uh, slot receiver. I, I'm just wondering how long before they put 10, 15 pounds on him and use him an outside linebacker, because I think that's going to be his ultimate position. And that's what you've been saying all along. So anyone that's listening or watching this show right now, that is not a new take from Tony. He's saying <laughs> he's been saying all along he might be more suited uh, to play that outside linebacker or something like that. And look, 49ers have someone who has similar abilities, I guess, I guess you could say, and, and especially as a prospect coming out of college, BYU Fred Warner. Fred Warner was not a Mike linebacker at BYU. He was he played kind of that star overhang position. And the 49ers saw him and said, you know what? 6'3", 6'4", 235 pounds. Let's put you at Mike. And he's done a terrific job at that. Uh, using that using that athleticism out in space, firing in on run plays. And yeah, I agree. I think if you add a good 15 pounds to Hamilton, he could do now, again, you have to be a different type of person to play linebacker and bang heads all day, especially at the level that Fred Warner does. But just ju just talking about ability, I think uh, Kyle Hamilton has some of that. You mentioned Mike linebackers. Well, let's get to Devin Lloyd. And I'll raise my hand on this one and say, my bad. Because I watched him a bunch last year. <clears throat> I thought he was a good player. I just couldn't get on board with like the top 10, top 15 hype. But the boy, that guy has proven to be a really instinctual player this year. Good against the run. He's made plays in the passing game, which is where I kind of thought his strength lie, but he's been physical in the run game too. And I think they, the Jaguars had to be very happy. Frankly, I think he's been a better player this year than, than Trayvon Walker has been early in the year, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you got to go back and watch the, the 2020 film on Devin Lloyd because he was absolutely, I, I mean, he was an, an explosive playmaker. He wasn't bad last year at Utah. He just No, he wasn't bad. And no. He just did not improve on the outstanding 2020 film. You know, I thought I said all along, I love the pick. I was kind of surprised that Jacksonville with their second first round pick and even throughout the draft didn't go more offense to help the quarterback, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Lloyd has given me everything I, I expected because he was he was more athletic than his 40 time. And people were disappointed when he ran a four, six, nine, like a four, six, nine is, is, is a slow time or, or whatever it was a high four sixes. But he plays fast. He's smart. And again, he was he always showed himself to be a three down linebacker uh, at Utah, which is why I always stamped him, you know, right in the middle of uh, of my top prospects uh, as far as my top 32 prospects. So I'm glad to see it's worked out for him. And then they drafted uh, Chad Momo, the right. Crocs guy. And I think the second or third round, third round, third round. Yeah. Third and, round. And, and he's been playing for them, too. All right. Let, let's get to the pass rushers here. The, the three big guys, Hutchinson, Walker, and Thibodeau. And guys, to be honest with you, I think we nailed all three of these guys, to be honest with you. Hutchinson has been a really good football player. You know, I don't think he's a guy that's going to win with speed, but he has flash and inside move. He, he hustles for a lot of his sacks. He just keeps going, keeps fighting. He's made a couple great plays in the pass game, dropping into coverage, showing off that, uh, that natural athleticism that he has. You know, Kayvon Thibodeau, I thought that best game of his career this past week against Dallas, he took it to Tyler Smith a little bit. He's been better against the run than he has been against the pass. He's been relying a little bit too much on that kind of outside speed rush, and he hasn't gotten around the edge as much as he would like. 
I'd like to see a little bit more variety there. And then I think we nailed Trayvon Walker too, right? Athlete, good football player, good against the run, but he, I'm not going to say non-existent, but we've seen the lack of a refined pass rush game from him. And that's shown up in his lack of pass rush production. Yeah, I mean, my, my my issue with Walker is is the fact that I think he would be he's best as with his hand in the ground as a consistent four three defensive end. That's not how Jacksonville uses him. You know, Jacksonville can they took Josh Allen, they made him stand up over tackle in their three four. They took the kid from LSU uh, a couple of years ago who never panned out. It was a same on right, never yeah. panned out. same sort of thing. Yeah, Trayvon Walker, you know, doesn't have great sack numbers. But I, I think he's better off. I've always said I think he's better off in a four-man front with his hand in the ground, coming out of a three-point stance. You want to stand him up on occasion, fine. Uh, that, in my, in my opinion, is part of the problem is just the misuse of him. Croc, your thought on that, those, those array of guys there. Yeah, I think, like you said, kind of spot on. And that's how people identify them. Maybe it just might take a little bit longer for Walker. You see him come out, you know, especially early in the preseason. Goes out, gets a sack. You see some production there, right? Well, it's just preseason. Let's see him in the NFL. NFL gets a sack, an amazing interception off of Carson Wentz where kind of peeled back and he really flashed that athleticism. But since then, it has been a little bit more hit and miss than they probably would like. But he's somebody that I think they have to bring along slowly. And uh, Trent Baalke, he's been the general manager there. He's, he drafted him. He was a guy who was the GM for the 49ers. He likes those long-arm Lanky guys that have a lot of athleticism had a guy by the name of Alden Smith who really hit the ground running. But a lot of people forget this. Alden Smith, as a rookie, he was just a situational pass rusher. He just ended up having a bunch of sacks, right, on that defense that he was playing with, being able to rush off the edge. But there was still a lot that he had to learn. He was just more freakish. And I think Walker, he has that freakish ability as well. They're just waiting for it to be a little bit more consistent. No question about it. Any other rookies on defense that you guys want to kind of point out and, and highlight here that, that we haven't touched on? Good. I can't say I do. I agree. Yeah. I'm with you. All right, guys, good stuff. We'll be back in a few weeks after we get through all the conference championships and everything. We'll start highlighting some of the accepted invitations to both the Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl as, as we get closer here, as we continue uh, throughout the end of the college football season. Gentlemen, always fun. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. For Tony Pauly and Eric Crocker, I'm John Schmuck. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Draft Season. Once again, it's brought to you by Tommy Hilfiger, a PVH brand and an official partner of the New York Football Giants. For Tony and Eric, I'm John Schmuck. We'll see you next time. This is Draft Season. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years. Have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 